0: Let's go over and say hello to my guest, standing by, Mark, nice to have you with us today.
1: Gary, great to be with you.
0: Mark, I'm going to ask you a series of questions, if you would please, because this is extraordinarily important information. Uh, We pride ourselves of doing a great deal of pre-research. We have scholars and residents in my office here. Uh, I need you to give us relatively straight and short answers and then give us the validating uh, informational backups. In other words, what are your sources? And if you can't prove something, make it very clear that it is, a, um, it is a hypothesis versus what you can prove, then state that we have proof and what that proof is. Fair enough? Fair enough. Okay. Let's begin. A lot of us have been concerned about the enormous amount of transactions, selective transactions that happened uh, when, uh, when the buildings fell and what happened to the amount of money they made in in the investment community. Tell us about that part of the story, how much was made, who these people were, and what validation do you have that this was anything other than just maybe the coincidence in the marketplace?
1: Well, Gary, I don't think anybody knows how much money they made. I've heard estimates in the hundreds of billions, but uh, certainly there was insider trading going on before in the days before 9-11. Uh, and I cover this in one of the chapters in my no, no, book. No, no, hold on. Like please, please,
0: please tell it. Don't tell me. Please don't tell me it's in a chapter of the book. Tell me what the information is.
1: Well, there's too much of it. We're not going to have near enough time to cover then it here. Highlight can, uh, it. we can it, we can we can try to start. Okay. Uh, um, there were 38 co- uh, stocks and companies that the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission identified as suspect, uh, and I believe their investigation after. Uh, initially was uh, honest. However, I think it went bad pretty quickly when they realized just how widespread the uh, insider trading was, and then uh, basically they covered it up. Um, we know that uh, there were numerous uh, stocks that were, you know, there were put options on, for example, American and United Airlines, which, and their stock dropped by American went down 39%. Uh, united forty four percent in a single day other stocks were <clears throat> were winners like Raytheon, some of the military uh companies that companies that provide arms to the u s department of defense raytheon stock jumped by thirty seven percent and correspondingly there were uh the call options for Raytheon just before nine eleven were uh, uh they surged by six hundred percent now there were several academic studies that looked at all this evidence and concluded that the, um, they all agreed that the, um, the evidence for insider trading was very strong. And yet the 9-11 Commission dismissed it, and uh, in a, you know, a couple of paragraphs, they hardly even went into the issue in the uh, 9-11 Commission report. So we have the absence of any invest, real investigation there by the 9-11 Commission.
0: Okay. Next topic, let's go out to... The uh, United Airline 93. There's been a lot of confusion about what actually happened. All we know are what the two movies that were done, a tele- four-television movie and a regular movie. Um, tell us what you have found out as far as any eyewitness and what also the radar showed. So give us what you believe is the most plausible and the most realistic scenario of what actually happened or and then what you find did not happen that is part of the official story
1: right excellent question uh... well first of all uh... you mentioned the the movies about flight ninety three the crash of ninety three is basically a legend there is no hard evidence supporting the idea uh... the official story that the hijackers crashed the plane intentionally while the cockpit was being stormed by passengers there's no hard evidence that that happened that 's just a legend and what I believe is that the plane was taken down i believe in my book, I propose an alternative crash scenario, uh, an alternative shootdown scenario and when you look at the evidence, I think that 's consistent all of it is consistent with the use of a uh, directed energy weapon like a high powered microwave
0: what proof do you what proof do you have that it the incidents did not occur, as the commission stated. Deconstruct well, there's no their evidence case. in
1: support of it, first of all. <laughs> but, but
0: deconstruct it. What, what proof do they have that it went down the way that we, we were told? And well, what the, proof do you have, have that it doesn't? We have the
1: radar data and the air traffic control tapes, uh, which I believe are valid and strong hard uh, evidence. what uh, do they show? Evidence.
0: What do they show, please?
1: And they show uh, that the plane did go down in Shanksville okay now there's been a lot of there' been a lot of reports on the internet you know to the contrary but i uh even though I did not uh seriously take seriously the flight data recorder information from flight ninety three because I think it's dubious nonetheless the uh the uh uh the radar data and the air traffic controller tapes uh um, are mutually corroborative and they tell us that the plane did go down to shanksville however um, exactly why it went down uh, is, you know, is what I looked at uh, beyond that. And uh, I came up with a different explanation. I don't believe the official story about the uh, hijackers just nosing the plane down. Um, we had, I went One of the reasons I went to Shanksville uh, was to investigate the stories of uh, anomalous power outages, local power outages in the area there around Shanksville and i it didn't take me long to confirm them so that re, they really happened there were power outages that the utility company could not explain very local and um there were also there's also an anomalous another anomalous uh detail we know that the uh f- that the transponder for flight 93 93- Strangely, came back on just moments before the crash. That has never been explained. It certainly makes no sense from the standpoint of hijackers turning it back on, but it could be evidence of an electrical malfunction. We also have a uh, uh, very uh, anomalous debris field uh, eight miles away from the crash site at New Baltimore. Now, this this really cannot be explained by the official crash scenario that the plane just went nose down. It's indicative uh, of a, um, that the plane, there was an explosion before the plane went down at some altitude that must have breached the fuselage. There were also reports at Indian Lake, three miles from the crash site, of mail falling, you know, and debris coming down there as well. But a a debris field eight miles from the crash site, I think that tells us that uh, there was an explosion and uh, something breached the fuselage. We also have a uh, cell phone call from Ed Felt, and I believe this call could be legitimate. Uh, he he claimed he was in the washroom and that uh, he was very frightened, and the, uh, uh, he said that there had been an explosion. He saw white smoke, and the plane was going down, and then he was cut off. It was a very brief call, and I believe that, in this case, because the plane may have been low, it's possible that that was a real call, and all of this evidence adds up to, uh, in my opinion, it 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 suggests uh, that the uh, that a directed energy weapon is consistent with the, with all this evidence. Let me put it that way. We also have a witness on the ground who um, who was near the crash site and saw a what appears to have been, by her description, a drone uh, within a half mile of the crash site, and this was before the crash and this this uh, unmanned aerial vehicle um, was really really low right over her car, uh, maybe fifty feet off the ground now that 's really significant because the commuter jet that was uh, the nine uh, eleven commission the the official story is that the that the witnesses there in Shanksville saw a commuter jet, but that commuter jet uh, did not arrive until eight minutes after the crash, and we know from the radar data and it never flew under 6000 feet because it was always on radar and in the in the vicinity of shanksville the radar norad radar towers could not see under 6000 feet because of the distance from the towers and because of the mountains so we you see we have we have some real anomalous uh data surrounding this crash and uh, it's never been explained the 911 commission didn't go there uh the fbi did not uh in, it did not interview the witnesses uh, so you know we have to we just have to do the best we can and try to piece it together
0: so if i understand what you're saying and what evidence you've been able to collect there was an eyewitness that there was a drone about 50 feet over her car that power outages that could not be explained by the utility company locally happened which showed that there was some surge in power that's
1: uh, right now with a with a microwave uh, device you would uh, it's not like a laser beam so it, there's a, quite a spread to it, so you would expect collateral effects like power outages.
0: Okay. That you had, if we were to believe the official uh, report, it went straight down, therefore all the debris would have been in a relatively small area with a straight impact. How far can a piece of debris fall once it hits the ground? But you're saying that there was substantial debris eight miles away in a separate field, which right. could, could not have happened. That, that's not physically that's not physically possible. It goes against laws of physics. If, if it were just a straight into the ground situation, you can't have a piece of debris, lots of debris fly eight miles. So that's you're right. suggesting that some explosion occurred from, well, it, from either something in the plane or something that hit the plane, that we don't know. that there was a call that said from someone on the plane itself in the bathroom that we have that there was uh, smoke. And hence, that's the only first-hand evidence we have. So, therefore, the official version of what happened there needs to be challenged because, like so much of the official version, it simply does not add up with the actual facts. Is that a summary of what you've said?
1: That's a pretty good summary. Let me just add one other point. Um, these directed energy weapons, high-powered microwaves, are, are, uh, are lethal against um, commercial airliners. These planes have no defenses. They, uh, <clears throat> these kinds of weapons could cause sparking, fires, and explosions.
0: Okay. And we
1: know that the U.S. military had, the, you know, this technology did exist also.
0: All right, now here is a, here is a hypothesis question. Since we have no proof of it, only you're, you're p- giving us your opinion, why would they take down a plane in Pennsylvania uh, when, if the object of the exercise was to run a plane either into the White House or the Capitol, uh, they didn't just allow it to continue on? That.
1: That's a good another good question um yeah, I believe that, and this is why I believe that flight ninety three is so intriguing. I believe it's the most interesting of the four flights because this is the one that went astray for some reason, something went wrong with the plan, and uh we had a case here where the hijackers were actually flying the plane and see my like I believe that the other planes were were uh remotely accessed and controlled that morning, and uh this one something went wrong. And the, we had the hijackers kind of flying all over the countryside, uh, and uh, the plane the, there was a real chance uh, that the passengers might survive. Um, uh, but part of the story, the official story could be correct that the uh, passengers were preparing to storm the cockpit. That might be true. and there was a maybe a slim chance, but there was a chance that they would survive. Uh, and the uh, perpetrators could not allow that to happen. This plane had to be taken down so that no one would survive. And so I believe that they resorted to a backup contingency plan, and I believe that in the process they took great risks to themselves and exposed themselves, and that's why I believe Flight 93 is so important, because if we can follow up with some continuing research, we might be able to expose this uh, contingency plan.
0: Well, then, what you're suggesting... By extension, and it's not just an existential uh, thought, is that there was a plan by the hijackers and their backers, but this was intercepted by intelligence agencies, and they then saw, for their own geopolitical interest, to capitalize on the, in effect, the the Fall Guys, uh, the Patsies, if this, you know, in the JFK assassination uh, with Oswald. And, but in this case, guiding it from behind because the hijackers would have had no capacity to put thermite explosions in the elevator shafts of the, the twin towers they, or, and cause those explosions. They could not have done this, nor could they have covered it up. They were, they were not highly literate and they couldn't even make maneuver a plane very well. So that is what I'm hearing. You say, am I hearing wrong? And if I am, correct me.
1: No, you're right on target, Gary. Um, Hani well, Hoger was the most experienced of the four hijacker pilots according to the 911 commission but this guy uh, couldn't even remember his own pin number. He tried to take money out of a bank account couldn't couldn't make the withdrawal because he for, he couldn't remember the pin number. This was just a couple of weeks before 911. He he would, he tried to rent a Cessna 172 at Freeway Airport right outside of Washington DC and they they wouldn't let wouldn't rent him the plane because he they took him on a trial flight and he he simply wasn't competent to f- to fly a cessna a one engine cessna so i mean you know this guy wasn't capable and none of the pilots in my opinion could have flown uh, well it, it, people need to understand it's extremely difficult to fly a commercial airliner into a building at high speed very difficult it's not easy and these guys were uh too incompetent to even think about it.
0: We're coming up to the end of our regular hour from uh, 55 minutes of the program. We're going to continue for an additional 5 minutes because I have some additional questions. You can continue listening by calling 832 280 832 280 or listening over the internet. My guest, Mark Gaffney, the author of Black 911: Money, Motive and Technology. Now, let's continue up to the rest of the program. Tell us about the inconsistencies in the official version that you found, uh, mark when it came to building number seven
1: right well the uh, we know the building fell at freefall the uh, The NIST uh, actually acknowledged that in its final report on building Seven, which was released in two thousand eight. They admitted that it free, it free fell, so that is uh, you know, virtual proof, uh, I mean, you don't need any stronger evidence than freefall to to know that it was brought down with explosives. And if Building 7 was brought down with explosives, then all three of them were.
0: How many reports have you personally verified of eyewitnesses on the scene, including first responders, police officers, firefighters, medics, and others at the scene where they heard explosions in the buildings prior to their uh, Freefall collapse:
1: Well, Gary, if the, the New York Fire Department actually interviewed its own people and they did their own report uh, on this, there were over a hundred, I think there were around 119 first responders and firefighters, and this was all documented by the fire department. And we know that the 9 uh, 11 commission had that evidence also, in, even though they don't mention it in the uh, report. So they basically covered up that evidence.
0: All right. One last, uh, is there anything else that's inconsistent at this point that you'd like to share with us in the several minutes we have left, three minutes we have left?
1: Well, Gary, there are so many things, uh, you know, you hardly know, hardly know where to begin, uh, but uh, I would just encourage your listeners to start wherever they happen to be, you know, which with, with whatever question comes to their mind and just start to research it. It doesn't matter where you start.
0: But tell us the most important inconsistencies. Just highlight those inconsistencies.
1: Well, I think that Building 7 probably stands at the top of the list because uh, here we had an explosion, in broad, uh, a collapse in broad daylight. Uh, this was, uh, I believe, that something went wrong. This was another case where something went wrong with the plan and i tend to agree with the people who think that uh, building 7 was supposed to be taken down during the collapse or right at the time of the collapse of building 1 or 2 uh, the collapse would have been concealed by the dust cloud so but something went wrong and uh, they had to go back in there and rewire it or something and then just and then they were forced to drop it in broad daylight now they had to take it down be, uh, to destroy evidence i believe
0: Well, because anyone who would have gone in there afterwards, because there's a fire in there, but a small fire, they would have found or tested for the explosions on the columns.
1: That's right. There were Well, there were reports that morning of huge explosions in the lobby of Building 7. So what caused that? I mean, they certainly couldn't allow that building to stand.
0: Were there any particular businesses in that Building 7 that raised suspicions in your mind that uh, there was a, a separate agenda afoot here?
1: Oh yes, building 7 was loaded with uh, uh with curious clients that included the CIA. It was the largest, in fact, the largest CIA office outside of Langley. The Department of Defense was in there. Uh the Securities and Exchange Commission had all of its files in there. That I think they comprised two whole floors of the building. And it's curious that that is where the fires appeared to be concentrated in the building. They had the records from all their investigations in Building 7, including Enron, and all of that was lost. Also, Rudy Giuliani's uh, crisis management uh, center was on uh, floor 23. Uh, That was also in Building 7. So there are a lot of things, a lot of reasons why uh, that building uh, needed to come down.
0: Well, I appreciate the depth of your research and your scholarship. Your book is fully documented. I looked at the footnotes as, as I read it. And uh, I was particularly intrigued by the, the inconsistencies and the out-and-out distortions of information concerning the flight that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. It just didn't make sense. You would have found more. Uh, and I went back after I read what you had to say, and I looked at all of the major crashes of a plane that size or larger over the last 30 years— In every single situation, without exception, you have large chunks of the plane, seats, bodies, identifiable bodies, um, and uh, luggage. You had almost none of that as an identifiable uh, post-scene, crime-scene environment uh, with this plane.
1: That's right. It's very strange. And and it does also suggest that's also consistent with an aerial, aerial explosion
0: well, good luck getting this information out. People need to take a look at this and to rethink the uh, authoritative official version, which clearly is filled with uh, misinformation. Good work for you, Mark Gaffney, on Black 9-11.
1: Thanks, Gary. R- enjoyed the uh, interview.